You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. I think they're probably back in the kitchen area. If we can get a, a round of applause for Crossroads Community Baptist yeah. Church, we really appreciate anybody coming and helping us out. And I know that uh, people kind of like to have an update on, on how my husband's doing, and it, it's been a really good week. I mean, really, since the healing service, like two days after that service, he stopped taking his pain pills because he didn't need them, and he still hasn't needed them, and he's eating like normal, which he hasn't been able to since probably May. It's, and, uh, so every time we go to U of M for a chemo treatment, they keep telling him he can't have one because his uh, white blood count is still low. We go tomorrow, so we'll see what they have to say. But his markers, which we think you know, show tumor growth or recession, continue to drop. So we're just praising God. It's really been good. We'll take any good days we can get right now. So, you know, it was probably about five days after we got the diagnosis of Brian's cancer that Jamin sent me a text and he said he'd been praying and he um, had a thought to see if I'd be interested in uh, preaching sometime that he needed somebody today. And so uh, I was kind of like, yes, (laughs) when I got it. Um, But of course, then I had to decide what I had to preach on. And I figured between that point and today we'd be going through a lot of things and I trusted that God would lay something on my heart and I kept this verse sort of out in front of me Matthew ten twenty. it was at that time you will be given what to say for it will not be you speaking but the spirit of your father speaking through you so I figured if I just stay in the Holy Spirit um, and speak something that was happening to me or what God's been putting me through and it's what he's been putting me through for the last several years that maybe Somebody out there would relate to part of it, and uh, um, that was all I was hoping for. So for the last week and a half, I've been asking people either at work or family or friends to finish a a sentence that I give them. So I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. And I don't want you to say it out loud, but just in your head when I start this sentence, just like in your head the first thing or two that pops into your head and hold it there for a little bit. So I would just ask him to say, to finish the thought, I love. And uh, I wanted it to be very general because I thought if I said, who do you love or what do you love, it's already going to guide you to a person or a thing. So if I said just I love, I got, I got lots of food. <laughs> One coworker said tacos. And then she ran to me later and she said, I can't believe I didn't say my daughter. <laughs> I also would get spouses I would get children I, I asked my husband And he kind of maybe knew what, what I was thinking Because he said, oh, I love Marie And I, I said, oh, thank you um, my, my, my first response, I hate to say Would have been, I, I love dogs um, But uh, Nobody Nobody said to me I love God Or I love Jesus Amen. <laughs> there you go. Um, and I, I, I wondered if some of it's just our English language, because we love everything. You know, I love Coke, and I love Pepsi. 
I love dogs, I love, you know, sunshine, I love walking in the rain, that we don't have anything that really distinguishes love from like or person from thing and all. Um, and of course, I've been thinking about love a lot lately because of the thought that I could possibly lose the love of my life uh, coming up. And if that happened, I've been thinking a lot of what would my relationship with God and Jesus be like after that. And then it made me think, who do I love more, Jesus or Brian? And then it led me to think, you know, have I really ever loved Jesus enough? And uh, what would that love even look like? And so the verse that kind of came to me in the last week and a half was Matthew 22, 37, 38. And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And so I had to ask myself, do I love God with all my heart, soul, and mind? Basically with everything I have and everything I am. And to be honest, if I look back over you know, many years, especially the last few years, I would honestly probably have had to answer no. Um, but I'm getting there. You know, I accepted Jesus 30 years ago. As my personal savior, I'd been brought up uh, in a church, but I really didn't have much more than a sense of religion. I didn't have that relationship with Jesus. And I believe in the Bible, and I try to live a good life, and I've done lots of Bible studies over the years, and I come to church regularly. Like many Christians, you know, my walk with God goes up and down, up and down. But I don't think I've really, really loved him in the past with all my heart, soul, and mind. And so here's a few reasons why. And as I sort of tell you a little bit of my story, realize that these were things that were going on for many, many years. It's not as though every single day I was in the midst of any of these things, but just this is what my life looked like. And, you know, during the course of a typical day, I rarely made God a priority. I didn't spend a lot of time with him in any real sense of the word. I'd get up. My first thought was coffee. And then click on the TV because I don't want to think about anything. And then I got to get up. I got to go to work. Everything's busy at work. Blah, blah, blah. You come home. I turn on the TV because I don't like it quiet in the house. And I'd putz around and do a few things and get dinner ready. And then Brian would come home and we'd eat. And then we'd sit down and we'd watch some TV. <laughs> I bet TV's a lot in my life. Um, but maybe in the morning I would throw out a cursory prayer. Oh, God, help me at work today. Or I'd get in a bed and I'd think, oh, God, you know, I hope I did okay today. Um, maybe I'd ask him, just please bless my day. But basically, I think I gave God a lot of my leftovers. I spent a lot more time with TV than I did with God. And so I'd ask myself, could I really love someone that I don't spend time with? Another reason is that I usually didn't need them. You know, most of my life ran pretty smoothly. I always thought I was in control. You know, we were blessed with a steady income. And we were able to give out of our excess. We didn't have a lot of struggles in those areas for most of our married life. And when problems would arise, you know, I'd stew on them for a while, trying to figure out how I was going to handle them or what I was going to do. And along the way, I might think, oh, yeah, maybe I should pray. Um, but too often, I really just did what I thought was best to handle those problems. 
And so I ask myself, can I really love someone that I feel I don't need? And then I realized a lot of times I hesitated or resisted being honest with God. I really didn't want to open up everything to him. I've kept a lot of hurts inside, hurts that go back to my early life. Like many people, I probably didn't want to face up to a lot of sin in my life. Did a lot of, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so, so I guess I'm all right. But I also believed a lot of lies about myself. But I didn't turn over to God for help. And one of those that I'll share with you is that for, for many, many years, I viewed myself as a failure. You know, not a total failure, but that at times when I would try something that was outside my comfort zone, and this goes way back into high school and college years, that didn't go the way I thought it would go, I convinced myself that I was a failure. And that I wasn't going to try anything out of my comfort zone because I hated being reminded of what a failure I was. And the problem with that is that my list of things outside my comfort zone continued to grow. And actually when I came to 1208, even though God had been working on me in that area, I still held that pretty tight and I was convinced that I wasn't gonna do a whole lot here at 1208 because every time I tried to do something, it seemed to fail and I didn't wanna see this church fail. So I wasn't gonna be part of too much. And I got real good in my head at trying to make excuses without admitting that, you know, that, well, I'm just, I'm very introverted, that I'm not talented in those areas, that I'm too busy. Um, you know, but then I started uh, doing a little painting around here. And to be honest with you, I have to try really hard not to look around and say, it's really awful. <laughs> what was I thinking of these colors or sticking those windows up there? Because I always view whatever I do as failing on some level. And I didn't trust God for a lot of years to help me deal with that. And so I had to ask, can I really love somebody that I don't trust? And then I don't like to stand out. You know, I've prayed before, you know, we're, we're back, we really are back row people. Um, I didn't want to have people thinking, oh, you're a crazy Christian. You know, I remember, I wish Janice was here today because I, I, I love hearing Janice in church. You know, when, when Jamin is talking and she speaks out, and, and probably over a year ago, I went up to her and I told her, I just love it. And she said, well, you can do it. I said, no, I would, I would die. <laughs> I would really die if I had to do that. I don't want anybody thinking that I look stupid. I don't want to look stupid in front of people. And I also don't want them to think I'm a phony. I mean, if I were to stand up and you know, raise my hand as I'm singing. Oh, who does she think she is? You know, um, I'm more concerned about the way I look in other people's eyes than I look in God's eyes. And so I ask myself, can I really love someone whose opinion I don't cherish? And then I've always been afraid to share my faith with others. And I think some of it goes back to that other point, that if they look at me, uh, oppose me or, or turn away from me or say anything. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, I either failed or I look stupid. And those are key triggers in my life to really shut me down. And I think, you know, I go up to coworkers and friends all the time so easily and say, 
Did you watch the new season of Stranger Things? Did anybody watch it? Yeah. And we'd be all excited and talking about it, but if I were to go up and say, let me tell you about what God's doing, or do you know God? And I work at a religious organization, and I just, you know, with the closest people in my, I, I do daycare, so the people in my room, you know, I'm hesitant to share, share the Lord with them, and I say, can I really love someone that I'm not willing to tell everybody about? So as I look at some of those excuses, and there's a lot more, I mean, but, but those are some of the big ones. I've, I've seen patterns and things in my life over the years. But there's a lot, of, a lot of excuses in there, and I see a lot of me. You know, I don't do things because it's inconvenient for me. I, don't, I only need me to take care of my needs. I only trust me. I'm not willing to do anything that makes me look bad. I'm not going to do anything that makes me uncomfortable. And that's a lot of me, me, me. And, and, you know, faith is not about me. And so what's changed? Because like I said, a lot of this I've been dealing with for years and it's been getting better. And more recently, it's been obviously getting much, much better in my life. And so what's changed is I pray. And I pray, and I pray. First of all, I had to recognize who the enemy was. You know, Satan is after me. And let me tell you, in the last few months, he has been relentless with me. He's after you, and he is after this church, because I see marvelous things going on in this church in the last year. And you know he's going to be coming after us, because he does not want this. He wants to rob me of my interest in God. He wants to rob me of my zeal for God. He wants to magnify all those insecurities that I've held on to over the years. He wants to keep me lifeless and disengaged and brainwashed into believing I have nothing of value to offer. He keeps me focused on my pain and my anger and my fears. He keeps me distracted. It is really a war. Yeah. And so I got serious with my need to pray. I started this year going faithfully to the Wednesday 6 a.m. prayer group. You've got to be there. You know, sometimes it's just been two of us, but it's growing a little bit. And I think incredible things are coming out of that prayer time. If nothing else, it's made me realize I can pray and not feel stupid. Yeah, um, I got curious about the patterns in my life and those lies I kept believing about myself and the pride that I carry that I've got to do everything and it's up to me and i got to control everything. Um, I started praying about my attitude, my emotions. When Satan's coming after me a lot, he just triggers incredible emotions in me and now that I recognize where they're coming from I take them to the Lord and I got serious about the Holy Spirit and I have to thank Jamin because he is the first pastor you know I've known Jamin since he was in high school and he used to come to my house and hang out with my son and I'm Mrs. Schmott <laughs> I'd say Jamin you want to have dinner no no thanks and he'd sit there with a bottle of Mountain Dew <laughs> And, uh, my daughter reminded me when 
I got rid of my deep fryer. Jamin stopped showing up at my house. <laughs> but, but, you know, now I go to Jamin like, Jamin, what is this thing about the Holy Spirit? And, you know, he's teaching me. Um, I once heard somebody say that the tragedy of the Old Testament was that the people didn't recognize God. And the tragedy in the Gospels is that people did not recognize Jesus. And the tragedy in the New Testament, which we are living right now, is that we do not recognize the Holy Spirit. And we do not call upon him to help us every step of the way. I pray out loud. I discovered when I try to just pray my prayers in my head, then I start daydreaming about all this kind of stuff. And if I just pray out loud, it keeps me focused. So I'm driving to work, I pray out loud. I'm walking my dog in the neighborhood, I pray out loud. I'm rocking a baby at work, I'll be praying. Not not real loud, but I'll be praying out loud. Um, where's Pat? Is Pat? Hey, Pat. When your friend Pi came to church a month or so ago, I was thrilled to see her. If you guys ought to know Pi, this is a prayer warrior. Um, and, and I've had the pleasure of meeting her through Pat. She came up to me and she said, oh, I get up like 5 a.m. to pray. And I pray at nighttime and sometimes the Holy Spirit will wake me up in the middle of the night to pray. And I say, Pi, get out of bed because Satan's going to want to put you to sleep and make you not pray. And I thought, wow. I've never done that. That's the kind of woman I want to be. I also get down on my knees and pray. And lots of years I would think, oh God, you know, he can hear me wherever I pray, wherever I'm at. I I don't have to really get down at my knees. And that was my pride. But you know, Jesus got down on his knees and prayed. And if he needed to, who do I think I am that I don't need to? And I'll tell you now, I gladly kneel in prayer now and look forward to the day when I can fall on my face in heaven and worship and pray to Lord God. I came across a quote by a famous theologian, Denzel Washington. (laughs) He gave, he gave a, a, what's the speech at a college graduation? And it just surprised me what he had said. And this is just a portion of how he was ending it. And he says, I pray that you put your slippers way under the bed tonight so that when you wake up in the morning, you have to get on your knees to reach them. And while you're down there, say, thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for wisdom. Thank you for parents. Thank you for love. Thank you for kindness. Thank you for humility. Thank you for peace. Thank you for prosperity. Denzel Washington does that. I can do that too. Um, I also recognize that I need God to help me love God. Again, I think for me it comes through the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 is one of the first verses I started memorizing again this year. And we all know it because we've probably heard it at every wedding. You know, the love is patient, love is kind. And when I substitute my name for it, or if you substitute your name for it, listen to what it sounds like. You know, Maria's patient and kind. She does not envy or boast. She is not arrogant or rude. She does not insist on her own way. She is not irritable or resentful. She does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. She bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And to be honest, that's 
Maybe every once in a while I'll get one of those or two of those, but not often enough do I exemplify all of those. And what about the fruits of the Spirit? You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Jamin did a whole series on that. And for years I've tried to make myself be those. You know, my sister's here today and I remember her saying once uh, that in a Bible study she went to, somebody said, oh, you know, you only get patience when you go through trials. And when my kids were little, I remember praying a lot, Lord, don't give me any trials because I just don't want to be patient with these kids. Make it all go smooth, okay? Um, but I tried. I tried to get those on my own, and you can't. You know, Heidi Baker had a good quote. She said, bearing fruit is a delight, but it is not the final goal. Intimacy with God must be our purpose. If we pursue him above all else, fruit simply happens. See, the more I need God, the more I love God, the more I give everything to God, then I start living out those fruits and I don't have to work at it. I'm training myself to run toward God. James 4.8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. When we love God, we naturally run to him. First, not after we've tried everything else. So I'm trying instead of asking everyone else what they think or caring what people think or trying to do it on my own, I'm training myself to run to God because he is my strength, my refuge, my redeemer, my savior, my living hope, my deliverer, my bread of life. I read his word and the Holy Spirit helps me to understand it. I came to Jamin's class on spiritual gifts and I came to his class on Revelation and I hate studying Revelation. Every time a Bible study group has suggested it, I had just said, no. I couldn't, one, one, it scared me. I'm thinking, I, you know, if I'm still alive during these times, yeah, how am I gonna make it? But it also never made sense. His study was different. I wish you were there. It was fantastic. I've got a Bible study group now that I meet with two other ladies that I've known for decades, and we have started to hold each other accountable. We started telling each other you had to spend quiet time each morning with the Lord. Number two, you've got to start memorizing the Bible again. We'd gotten real lazy on that. <clears throat> and start journaling, writing down your thoughts to God. We started to get on our knees together and pray, and we started telling each other, you've got to start fasting, see where that's going to take you. And I thank those ladies for that. And most of all, I just started worshiping God. You know, I'm not afraid anymore. When Janice told me that I wasn't going to die, and I, I, I didn't believe her. Um, <laughs> But maybe you've seen me lately. Uh, Jamin's dad came up to me a few, I don't know, weeks ago, and he said, oh, I saw you dancing over there. I said, Jeff, I, that's the Holy Spirit. John 12, 24 says, Truly, truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a seed. But if it dies, it bears fruit. So in a way, I, I did die. You know, I died to that 
feeling that I have to look some way in somebody else's eyes or I have to care what people think about me or I have to be in control. All of that's beginning to fade. And of course, you know, earlier this summer, my family's experienced some pretty big challenges. And we need God like we've never needed him before. You know, suddenly, what was everything secure in my life was God. The idea that I control, I could control anything is definitely gone. Our income is gone. My future plans are kind of gone. And like I said, the attacks of Satan have been enormous upon me. He has tried to convince me that God does not care about me, that God is enjoying seeing me in pain, that God is taking his time in answering me, that on and on and on. And I have just found the strength that I need in my Lord. I don't know what the final outcome would be with Brian. We've had a couple of good weeks, but it's all up to God right now. It's not about me. I realize God created me to glorify him. That God wants all of me or nothing. That he wants my best. He deserves my best. He even demands my best. And so do I love God with all my heart and with all my soul and with all my mind? My answer now is more and more each day. I'm trusting him daily to give me what I need. I am surrendering more and more to him. I am not looking ahead past beyond today. I keep praying for him to remove the darkness from me, to give me a clean heart, a heart of flesh, to keep making sin known in my life that I might confess it and be made whole. I pray for the truth of who I am in his eyes to be revealed to me. I care less and less about what others think. I am going to love my Lord and my Savior with all that I have. Amen. So let's pray. <clears throat>